For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. Welcome yeah. back. Thank, Thank you. you for being back. You sound good. Uh, thanks. Thanks very much. I was out with the flu last week, unfortunately, but uh, nice to be back. We held down the fort. Uh, you did very well. And coming up on the program today, uh, this is someone who has been in the media business for a very long time, but whose name you might not necessarily know. Andrea Kenyon of Andrea Kenyon Casting. And yeah, uh, Andrea Kenyon Wells Casting now was Andrea Andrea Kenyon Casting, and uh, yeah, we we won't say she's been around for decades. You know that would give away a few things that we shouldn't give away, <laughs> but been around a long time. So uh, lots of stories, and will be a very interesting, uh, entertaining, and informative show. As usual, some tips and advice during tax time. This time, Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL, later in the program, will deal with uh, tax time for the U.S. If you have some business there or personal tax business there, uh, we'll get to that later in the show. But as usual, first, some entrepreneurial news and notes. And uh, Josh, let's begin with uh, actually a couple of listener questions. Um, one was uh, about um, selling their company. Uh, and so we have uh, uh, one question here. Uh, this is from a client of yours, I believe. And the, and the client asked, I have never thought of selling my company and have received an offer. Now what? And it's it's interesting because, you know, we always kind of preach, you know, you're, you're starting your business for what purpose? You're starting it as a baby. You want it to feed your own pockets. But ultimately, what? What's the vision? The vision is ultimately for most entrepreneurs to either sell their company or pass it down to the next generation. Well, if there's no next generation, then ultimately it's to sell it at some point because you're not going to, you know, you'd rather not die with it still around and, and no relève, as they say in French. Uh, so, you know, somebody approaches you and says, okay, I want to buy your business, you know, whether it's a competitor, uh, a supplier that wants to grow or even a customer that wants to go vertical and you're, you're not necessarily prepared. Well, I say, you, you know, there's never an early enough time to think about it. It doesn't mean you're going to sell tomorrow. It doesn't mean you're, the gun is to your head. But there's definitely things to be aware of. You know, the, the either the most important or least important, depending how much, you know, taxes or money you want to come out of your pocket of the government, you want to make sure you have the right structure. So we won't go into, into structuring now. But certainly, if, uh, if you don't have the right structure, if you own the building that has a company, it's all in the same it's all in the same entity that might not be the best thing, especially if a future buyer doesn't want to buy the building, they just want to buy the company. So I, I think you need to think about structure. There's no doubt about it, uh, first and foremost. Then, of course, there's always the need, okay, what is my company worth? How am I growing it? What's the multiple of my bottom line that I can get or top line, depending on your business? Because some businesses sell on you know, multiple of the top line. More, many more businesses sell on the multiple of the bottom line or EBITDA as, as is commonly referred to earnings before income taxes, depreciation, amortization, and normalized because sometimes you have owners that are running their business and don't really like to spend money. So they keep it really lean, but any normal person would come in and reinvest every year or they would hire uh, the right CEO or the right CFO and pay them a different, a decent salary. So you kind of have to normalize it. The, the flip side is, or you're an owner that's been making so much money, you're taking out a million dollars a year, but any normal owner, any normal somebody running the company might only take out 250000 or hundred grand. So you kind of want to bring it down and, and bump that up. So really, it's about 
looking at your company and, and normalizing everything. So when you're, when you're approached to sell it, it's also interesting because do you want to let go of your baby? You know, you're, you're building a business now, Dan. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how, how far in the future you're thinking, but the reality is maybe some people don't want to sell it right away. Maybe they're, you know, are you 60? Are you 40? Do you have a time horizon? Do you want to really get out and move on somewhere else? Are you getting antsy? Do you think you have a great business and want to cut back time? Well, that's great, but does that mean you need to sell? Or can you just fill your role with a CEO that can run it and still make money? So there's a lot of factors to consider before, you know, when you're approaching saying, you know, will you sell your business? What I wanted to ask you is uh, we, we've been in business now for seven years and early this year I did get an offer. It, it didn't strike me as a particularly serious offer because it was rather low, but what I, th what I thought it was was an entrepreneur really trying to buy me and to, and to sort of, and so maybe he, he wasn't too concerned about my business, but he wanted me to, to I suppose, integrate into his business. How can you tell if, if someone is really, if a buyer is really committed to expanding your business or just sort of taking it apart for spare parts? Well, I, I think you, it's all about the questions. You know, the buyers usually do a lot of due diligence, but the reality is a seller needs to do their own due diligence. How much do you want, you know, do, or do you have a team around you that you want to protect? Do you have a position yourself that you want to, do you want to continue in that in this field or not? Mm -hmm. You know, Dan, if you wanted to, continue for another 20 years well then that might interest you but if you say you know what time for me to move on and he's only buying me for me and I only want to stick around for a couple of years well that might affect the business and the price as well so really you know it's <laughs> the famous two words it depends it really does because what are your motives what are your goals and who are the people around the table know your Know your audience, uh, know your enemy, if you will, not necessarily an enemy, but know the person in front of you and handle it accordingly because there's going to be some negotiation down the road and you're going to want to do it effectively. Another question that was brought up um, uh, on your side this week uh, that you wanted to address. Uh, here's one. We have several family members, partners in the business, but one is silent and absent and we want to buy him out. Now what? Uh, this is this is interesting. This probably comes up uh, more often than than people think because it's next generation business. So there's a lot of family business out there started by family, started by brothers or cousins or sisters or what have you, and they've already passed it on to the second generation. But they passed it on to second generation maybe a little bit blindly, where the next generation isn't necessarily involved in all day to day aspects. So you have let's say two families, two cousins. Uh, that are that are in business they leave it to their respective two children what have you and you have maybe one of the one of the four between the two of them that are own shares but really not contributing not involved in the business at all the business is going well they want to go in a direction and there's a little bit of resentment factor there's a little bit of or possible resentment factor because nobody knows on the relationship or the family but there there is something that might not necessarily sit well. So what do you do? Do you just keep them in because it's easier and let them, you know, grow with the company or if the company fails, they lose it too? Do you take, because if it's if it's split evenly, then it's 25% a person. So you have three people working for four people. Some people might not find it fair. Some people might find it a little, a little disbalanced. Uh, so do you deal with it? And you have a lot of family members that won't deal with it because they want to keep the peace in the family. Is that really fair? You're building up resentment. 
it's something that just needs to be addressed head on at some point and decide which way you want to go on the road. There's a fork in the road. If you want to be passive about it, you know, you don't want to deal with it. Fine. You want to deal with it. Great. But don't whine about it. Deal with it and move on. Do you want to talk about Facebook a little bit? Uh, we have the big testimony. We did, and and, uh, and what is Facebook collecting? Well, that information mm. that's collecting, and Dan, you're you're far more involved in this than I am. You know, as as a Facebook user, what do you what are you scared about? What what information is out there that you're like, oh my gosh, they're going to use for something? <laughs> so yeah, this is this was interesting because I was watching Zuckerberg testify before both Congress and the Senate and the states, and I get the sense that whatever he's saying the reality is always going to be a little bit worse, a little bit scarier, a little bit more invasive than what he's telling uh, to the public. So what he's what he's admitted basically is that, yes, they do, of course, track your data and they use that data and sell it and uh, it, they collect it for third-party apps and stuff like that. Um, but really, you have to understand that every time you log into Facebook, no matter what you're doing, you could be clicking on anything. Every click, every scroll, everything is data that they are collecting on you. Captured. Everything is really captured. Everything, everything. And you, interactions. You recall that we had uh, only likes for a while on Facebook, and they expanded it to add the loves and the laughs and the cries. These are marketing tools. This is you telling marketers what you like, what you love, what makes you cry, what makes you laugh. This is very important data. Facebook also collects, uh, tracks what you're doing on your phone sometimes. If you have a third-party app like Farmville or one of these, Candyland or whatever, uh, it can be very invasive. It can go into your phone. It can collect call data. It can collect uh, text data if you are using the chat. So uh, does, that, does that mean you get off of Facebook entirely? Well, no. Just know that everything you're putting into it goes somewhere. And, and that's that's what's ultimately important. I mean, I've known this for a while, and I've always used Facebook, and even tools like Gmail and, and email. Anything I put into a computer, into a program connected to a cloud somewhere, connected to the internet, uh, especially if it's being used for free, all that information is not mine. And and that's important to understand. Whatever you're putting into these free programs, including Gmail, you don't you don't own any of that stuff. And so what Facebook and Gmail are doing is they, they will quote unquote read your email, they'll scan the metadata. There's not a guy reading it, but there's they'll scan the data and they'll use that information for marketing purposes. So example, I was in a Facebook chat a couple of years this is going back five, six years maybe, and uh, the the name Gibson came up for a reason that I won't bore you with. Uh, unrelated to guitars, but all of a sudden, as soon as I start chatting about Mr. Gibson with my with my friends in the chat, all these ads for Gibson guitars started popping up. So five, six years ago is when it became a clue that something a little bit more sinister was going on. Zuckerberg says they're not tracking your voice calling on Facebook, so they're not using the same principle to identify what you're saying and collect that data. I just don't believe that. But somebody else is. Well, so they they assume they are listening. If you were using their tools, uh, either by text, video, phone, whatever... Assume they're listening and tracking you. Kind of scary stuff. And, you know, my, my wife always told my kids, you know, if you're going to send something online, imagine, p picture that on the front of the Gazette. Mm -hmm. Because that's where it's that's where you have to think it's going to end up because that's where it could end up. And that scared the living bejesus out of them sometimes. And it made them think, think twice about it. Great advice. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, let's introduce you to Andrea Kenyon of Andrea, uh, sorry, of Kenyon Wells Casting now. Uh, welcome to CJD, Andrea. Thank you. Hi. Tell us first uh, about uh, what is... 
Kenyon Wells Casting. Um, we're casting directors for films and television that are uh, shooting on location in Montreal. We do casting. We find the actors uh, for a film or a television that is coming from either the United States or elsewhere in Canada or sometimes just a Quebec production. Now, the, the predominance, though, is it really a lot more of outside of Canada that's coming into Montreal or into Canada? Or are there really a lot of local productions? Uh, you know what? Uh, different years hold different uh, production profiles, let's say. Um, on an average, I would say that most of the productions are from the United States, but we do we do participate in some of those Quebec shows that are some of the TV series that are wonderful, like 19-2 was a, a terrific series that came out of uh, Quebec. Now, this is not something you've been doing for a couple of years. You've been doing this for a little while. <laughs> we won't say how long exactly. But, Please. But but how how did you how did you get into this? Was this you stumbled in it? This is something you dreamed on forever. How did you how did you get into this business? My father was an acting teacher, and he had a, a studio, and I I was very very passionate about listening to his stories every night when he'd come home from uh, teaching actors and and learning about. Uh, new people that were out there on the market looking to get into the business, he would tell me the stories about how wonderful they were or what they were doing. And and uh, it, it really just lit a fire under me in terms of my interest in this world. And uh, so I was I came by it honestly. I would in, uh, participate in all the, uh, the uh, classes, and I saw a lot of theater productions, and it just uh, started from there, and then it, it just grew. Is, is most of your business helping American production companies find actors here in Montreal for their shoots? Uh, we, we're hired by the producers and the directors. That's, we are hired by them as part of their team. And we get a script and we break it down and we you know describe the roles that we're looking for. And then we collect the best options and present them to them. A lot of those are American productions. Um, but we do certainly have a, a strong Canadian clientele as well. But you are not necessarily an agent. You don't have necessarily biases towards different actors. Definitely not an agent. They, there is sometimes a confusion as to what our, our title is, and we're, we're really referred to as casting directors. It's talent agents, casting directors. So talent agents represent actors, and they promote a, a select group of actors and take a commission from those who engage, you know, get engagements. We're hired as employees of the production. So it's our task to focus on casting so that they can focus on all the 300 other things that they have to do. <laughs> so really your, your, your business is, is your, the production company is the one that's remunerating you, not necessarily actors. There's no commissions or oh, anything like that. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, no, it is the production company. So there really is some independence somewhere. If the film is trying to find the right actor they describe it mm -hmm. and you got to go find it yeah it's a lot of fun because we can have access to anybody which which <laughs> so how do you know everybody how do you how do you do that research and from where you started i won't say decades ago too late I just said <laughs> go that. ahead too late Sorry. i just oh, said i it. can survive <laughs> uh, but then versus today you know certainly with the online world has it made it Easier or harder? Is like there almost too much information and too much access? Uh, you know what? It, the profiles of the actors are kind of accumulating in my head. It becomes like a database in my head and or, on, you know, in a system that we've devised. Um, and I have to say that technology has assisted in that uh, we can receive now uh, 
emailed auditions from people. They can send us their self-tapes rather than having to conduct a, a day of auditions and have people come to us. We can receive this at any time. We can review it any any time. I can reference an actor that I may have seen two months ago at three in the morning. So you do know. you keep your do you keep a database? Have you been organized about it, you and your team? I certainly hope so. <laughs> or you have a really good memory. Yeah. Well, I'm still working on the memory thing because uh, you know, it is it is required and it's kind of it's uh you're you're building a profile. I, I actually spoke with a bunch of actors this weekend at um at a workshop and um one of the things I explained to them is that our profile of them is something that's that's changeable. It, it grows all the time. So I may meet them and have a vision of them. I might see them in theater, and then that adds on top of that. And then I might see an audition, and that, that'll add that much more information. Do you give them so. guidance? Uh, certainly, I give them guidance. If In the audition room, we, we oftentimes guide them through an actual audition, giving them feedback, giving them direction in terms of what we think might be uh, more suited to what they were look were looking for, but um, in terms of their careers, that's only if they ask. <laughs> no, there's no question. There's lots of aspects behind it, and and, mm -hmm. and you're you're not you're not a solo performance. Uh, you do have a team around you, and you Definitely. do have to get the name out there, notwithstanding your history with your your dad and the acting school or mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, and I and I know there's there's lots of aspects of the business that are very important to actually make it run. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we come back uh, after after the thirty, we'll uh, we'll explore that a little bit more. Andrea Kenyon of Kenyon Wells Casting joining us this evening on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 737, welcome back to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmore, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Coming up later in the show, we're going to talk to FL tax partner Ernie Furt about tax time if you are doing business or have personal business in the States. And for now, we're chatting with Andrea Kenyon of Kenyon Wells Casting, and uh, she works on big Hollywood productions that come to Montreal and uh, helps uh, American productions and Canadian productions as well um, find actors here in the city. And, you know, when you first started, I understand that, that Andrea, you, you got into this business. It was your dad had an acti uh, you know, acting school and all mm -hmm. that. But when you first got into that business, and, and I'm asking you to think back then and today, how do you get your name out there? How do people know to come to you? How do they, the foreign production companies know that you exist uh, mm -hmm. either then and now? Um, maybe, maybe we'll start with then when you first went out. What was your, your first foray how did you get your name out there to begin with uh the first thing we did was actually we started to, we created our uh a resume we created a package we did all kinds of research about what uh who are the people that hire the the uh casting directors and we found out everybody you know the production companies the production managers the producers the directors the assistant directors we we tried to create all of these lists so that we could start to make contact with them and let and them know the that pavement. we were there pounded we pounded the pavement definitely we showed up with our package you know and hey we're you know we're we're new in town we're doing casting la 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 and there was a lot of that at the beginning and yeah, sorry. How, how much how much of it became word of mouth? Like you get your first good job, you you casted it well. Is there is there a big word of mouth is or is are you as only as good as your last great placement? It's kind of a combo of what you've just said because you know, I I think through the years, every year you you've got a new hurdle 
to to uh, to get over. When we first started, I was doing a lot of non-union production. This is before ACTRA had, uh, ACTRA, which is the union for actors, had had uh, introduced the apprentice system. Um, and uh, so once that happened, there were less and less uh, non-union production, and we were sh- we were going out for those those TV series or those TV films, and and uh, some some of them the lower budget local shows, and we were getting them, and then we were trying for the the American shows, and we weren't getting them because we weren't we didn't have the resume, and then you know the idea I had uh, heard a quote once the the um, your success is not whether or not you have problems, but whether they're the same ones that you had last year. And so every year, you know, you 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 jumped over a newer hurdle, uh, something. So now, the projects, you know, the next time we uh, we went up for projects, the the ones we weren't getting were the big, 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 big budgets, but we were still getting the good ones. And now we're getting the big, big, big budget. So thank God. So we'll, there will be something next week, you know, uh, an evolution, <laughs> an okay. evolution of problems. <laughs> So we've we've in Montreal. I mean, these mix the news sometimes. Um, the industry comes up and down. Sometimes there are more American productions or less. Mm-hmm. How is the industry now for for local actors? I think uh, the actors would wish for more shows right now, but I think we are we have kind of like the slow and steady fire at this point, and I believe that it's going to get busier uh, as the summer approaches. Um, it usually is big, busier in the in the summer months, and then it kind of we you know quiets down in in the fall or winter for sure. But uh, right now we're doing pretty well in that we have a few. There are some shows that are continuing to shoot here, and others that are rumored to be coming. So, <laughs> how, how, how important is confidentiality in your business when there's when there's shoots here in Montreal? Uh, it, confidentiality is very important on certain types of shows. Um, definitely superhero show films that are very, very, you cannot be working on those films. <laughs> they don't exist. <laughs> they don't exist. Marvel, DC, do th- we don't hear about them ever. <laughs> we didn't do them. We, we know nothing. And, uh, and that comes up in video games as well. So there's a lot of, uh, video game casting that happens and you cannot talk about it. Now, if we stay on the topic of I didn't of Mark, say anything. I, I didn't hear you say anything <laughs> whatsoever. I am uh, deaf. Okay. Uh, so you're, you, you're talking, we're talking about marketing, and we'll finish off. So I heard what was back then when you first started, mm-hmm. however long ago that was or short ago that was. Uh, <laughs> we're going to press on what, that, aren't we're, we? We're, we're, you know, I'm nothing if not a persistent dog with a bone. So <laughs> what about today? Are you relying today on more online, or is it really still... The, you know your your last great gig your 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 relationships uh how much i mean relationships must play a huge role in in this business we've been doing this for for a long time ah <laughs> uh, you see i almost caught you yeah yeah for a long time and and i have to say that our work um you you work with various casting directors uh casting directors from the United States and producers and local directors and local production managers and producers and they get to know you and they get to know your work and they get to know um you know just how you approach things and um it's through that reputation mostly that we get the the jobs that we get now and uh repeat business is always wonderful and welcome and and happy because because we know that there's something that was done right that they like and they want to come back to us. So we're very fortunate. We never take it for granted. But uh, lately, most of our, our marketing is really just, you know, finding out about a show and going, oh, who's doing it? Oh, great. Okay, let's remind them that we're here and let's remind them that we'd be available and interested, you know. 
How did you know how much to charge? Is there a pricing grid? Is there a norm Ugh. in the industry? Ugh, I wish I had an agent is what I wish. Um, they're they're uh, in the United States. They're actually unionized. Casting directors are unionized, but not in Canada. We're uh, an association in Quebec and in Canada, and they have recommended rates. Um, and that's what we live by. You know, we try to work with the, the recommendations. Yes. Yes. Um, although, you know, you, yes, it is. It's based on the recommended rates. And have you, I don't know, is it a, is it a question? It's not a question of self-worth, right? It's, it's out there. It's recommended rates. You're either at the higher end or lower end. It's, how, I do, think, how do you choose it? Yeah. The thing is that the, the associations are filled with qualified casting people and their recommendations are generally uh, taking into to account experienced uh, you know, people with, with good resumes. So we live by the, the recommendations. Has ACTRA or any of the, or I guess the, the actor unions, has that impacted your business? I'm sorry, can you? The actor, the, the unions that, mm-hmm. that came about over the years, uh, has that impacted you at all or not really? Uh, well, we it? interact with, with ACTRA, we interact with UDA, um, because ultimately that is where the the main source of performers is they're, they're the experienced performers and then uh, we get to know about the the young uh, performers coming out of the various programs you know John Abbott and Dawson and Concordia you know all of those those gangs so the and Na- National Theater School which is fun so we we get to know about the new ones and there's all kinds of lovely uh, arrangements that they have so that the uh, students can get their membership quicker, I think. That's local actors, but there's definitely some actors that uh, fall below the, the 49th parallel. That'll be interesting uh, to talk about as well <laughs> when we come back. Andrea Kenyon is with us from Kenyon Wells Casting. And on the way, we're going to chat with Ernie Furt, tax partner at FL on a tax time and dealing with uh, U.S. tax issues. Plus, of course, Andrea's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur on the way. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. We're joined in studio by Andrea Kenyon of Kenyon Wells Casting. We'll have Andrea's one piece of advice for today's Entrepreneur coming up in just a moment. Uh, But first, uh, now it is uh, tax time, of course, and uh, the deadline for uh, filing your U.S. taxes is today, right now? Tomorrow, tomorrow. 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 Ernie's (laughs) on the line. Ernie Furt is here. He can't be in studio, of course, because he's very busy this evening. Uh, Tax partner at FL, Ernie Furt. Hi, Ernie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, good. Yeah, a little busy? A tad, I would say. Uh, So, so Ernie, as as your your mind is inundated with with U.S. tax laws since the uh, deadline is tomorrow, and we are talking a little bit about uh, actors, and all that jazz, and and south of the forty ninth parallel, and of course entrepreneurs as well. What are your kind of first thoughts that that come to mind uh, as far as whether it's entertainers, you know, whether it's from the the employee end, the entertainer end, from the from the production company or the the employer end? What are kind of the first thoughts that that come to mind to you? Well, usually what I see, and I saw that last week, is people come to work in Canada as actors or or or, or um, you know production people, concerts, things like that, and they have no clue what's going on here. And they just come, and they have this withholding tax. They don't know what to do with this withholding tax. They work in Quebec. They get an additional withholding tax. 
you know, federally you have to withhold 15% on, uh, on a service rendered by a non-resident. And in, in, in Quebec, there's an additional withholding of 9%. So they don't, have, they don't understand if they have filing obligations. Most of them say, I really don't want you to deduct this, but they really don't have a choice. Um, but it's, it's, not the, it's not the actors or the performers. Really, the, the ones paying them really have to know and withhold, and they have to get up to speed on the knowledge. Well, most of the people who are paying these non-resident actors do uh, know. And they are up to speed. The problem is the representatives of the non-resident actors, their agents and such, don't necessarily understand Canadian taxation or understand what the requirement is of a non-resident performer who comes here to, to, to do stuff. And what about the flip side? What if there was a Canadian actor that went to go perform in the States? What typically happens there? They're a little bit more lax on the withholding. But uh, theoretically, depending on if you're going to be a salaried, uh, a salaried person in, in a play or something like that in New York City, then you're going to have to file a non-resident return. And you may be withheld so, so some money, possibly federal withholding, and or state, depending on where you're working. Now, I know we're talking a lot about actors, but the reality is in any business, you can have your sales rep or, or, or other employees, you know, your Canadian company, Quebec company, have a south of the border you know, what are the pitfalls? What do you, what do you got to know for when you're paying somebody south of the border? What's What's got to be in your mind? Well, you know, you have to think, you know, if you're a Canadian company and you're having somebody work in the, work in the States, you have to take a look at, at the Canada-U.S. tax treaty on employment income per se and determine if, you're, if the person is subject to U.S. taxation or not if they're being paid by a U.S. entity or not, or if you're going to pay them through the Canadian entity. Because they're Canadian residents, they're there temporarily to work, and at the end of the day, if you're paying them from a, a Canadian company and they're not U.S. people, and they're not in the United States for 183 days, then they're only taxable here. Do you have to worry about any of your U.S. employees creating uh, a, a Nexus. Nexus, or yeah, and, and maybe you can quickly describe what Nexus is, uh, since Nexus, we're familiar with it, but maybe not the listener. Nexus is a connection tool, so people, you know, your employees working in the states can create this the concept of Nexus. Now, generally speaking, um, when they go down to the states, if they have power to contract on your behalf, i.e., carte blanche they can bind you into these contracts, then you're going to have nexus for federal purposes as well as state. The, the federal nexus laws are, are a lot harder to, to, to breach because you really have to have power to contract in the U.S. You have to have bricks and mortar in the U.S. Uh, just a mere inventory in the states doesn't do it. But uh, for state purposes, nexus is created when you have inventory in a state per se it may not be because there's three types of nexus there's income tax nexus state tax nexus and property tax nexus so you have to look at all three and all three of course have different rules and 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 those rules vary amongst the different states just having a showroom would that create nexus uh it depends which state for federal purposes no so you're not going to you could be filing a federal treaty based U.S. return. We're talking about the U.S. for, for a second here. Uh, but sometimes if you go to a trade show and you go to a trade show on an uh, annual basis in New York State, that'll give you an exit. 
Nexus. It's a four-letter word. It sounds like so. It's a headache. It's it, a longer word, longer than four letters. No, no, no question about it. Thanks very much, Ernie. It's uh, you know definitely a, a bit of a minefield when you're dealing whether you're whether you're an actor, whether you're even you know we talk about uh, NHL players often and they're cross border. So that's uh, a whole other show. That's a, that's a whole other show. Thanks very much, Ernie. Appreciate it. Don't work too right, late, guys. Ernie. Always a pleasure. Bye bye. And as we approach the last moment of our show, as we do each week, we'll uh, turn to our guest, Andrea Kenyon, and ask you, Andrea, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? I would say just never rest on your laurels. Always stay engaged, stay engaged with your clients uh, on a direct basis, and uh, just never take it for granted. And uh, I guess you, you constantly build those relationships and nurture those relationships throughout the years. Always. Excellent. Thanks very much. Uh, you know, for, for me, it's it's somebody that's been in the business a long time. There's definitely a passion. That's, that's clear. And thanks very much, Andrea, for joining us. I wanted to quickly quote Andrea off the air who said, always compete with yourself, which I think is really interesting, too. <laughs> thanks, Andrea, for dropping by tonight. Thank you for having me. Andrea Kenyon of Kenyon Wells Casting. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to have uh, some adventure time. Arbraska. If anybody's ever done some uh, tree climbing and tree uh, topping uh, zip lining, uh, that's going to be the show to hear. All right. Join us then next Monday at 7. Don't forget eight years, nine years worth of programs, entrepreneur profiles at www.flmontreal.com. Just click on the community section and have a good night.